listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. My name is Nathan. It is an honor to spend a few moments with you today uh, reflecting upon spiritual subjects and considering uh, the scriptures that the Lord has given us. My title today is this, If I've Been Transformed, Why Am I Still Tempted? Now, yes, this is what you call a gritty, real-world question that, if we were honest, sometimes haunts us. If I've been transformed, why am I still tempted? All right, so since this is our subject and since I have chosen a difficult subject, I want to jump right in and have you consider a few things with me. Uh, The first thing is this. um, You have been promised by the power of the Holy Spirit true spiritual transformation. It is the gift of God. It is the strength whereby we become more than conquerors. We don't do that through our strength. We don't do it through our ability. Uh, Some of us sometimes forget that, but it is very much the act of God. And so I want to clarify that if I have victory in my life, uh, it's because of the victory of Jesus Christ. Uh, I have hope through the mighty redemptive work of Jesus Christ. If there's any good thing in me, uh, it it is the gift of God and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to believe and we want to claim and we want to speak transformation. But at the same time, we don't want to be simplistic about how it is working itself out in our life. So the first thing I want you to think of, um, and I think the first thing that causes people difficulty in understanding this principle of transformation versus uh, struggling with the old me, is you are a being in time. Uh, you, are, you are very much subject to time. God is not a being in time. God does not dwell in time. Time dwells within God. God is the author, the creator, uh, the progenitor of time. And so we are very much subject to time and transformation to us in terms of language. We think it should be instantaneous. But in terms of testimony, it often is very much a time, um, something that time brings to fruition. God is not in time. So let me say it this way. God is not becoming. I am becoming. You are becoming. But God is not becoming. That is why in the New Testament, uh, he said uh, this very memorable phrase, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, past tense, subject to time, I am, divine moment, the not 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 becoming. Uh, this is very difficult for us because we've never perceived it this way. But as spiritual beings, we are bridging the realm of time with the realm of the timeless. Do you see? We are trying to incorporate the mortal with the immortal, and we are doing it through faith. In other words, we stand solely upon the promise of God. We don't have evidence. We don't have argument. Well, we may have argument, but you understand what I'm saying. Uh, It's very much God's uh, inclusion of us. 
temporal, weak, mortal, into him, his nature, his place, and his reality. So uh, you are a being in time. Number two, uh, you are not God's story. You are a part of God's story. You see, if you are God's story, then everything depends upon you. But you are not God's story. You are a part of God's story. Now, what will this feel like? Well, it'll make your life feel like a journey. In the same manner that time makes your life feel like a journey, being a part of the larger work of God, not being the the actual um, singular work of God, will make your life very much feel like a journey. You see, be reminded that God is telling His story, and you are not His story. You are a part of His story. This is so important. It's one of the most common mistakes I see people fall into. The result of thinking I am God's story is that the whole kingdom of God depends on how good I did this week. Uh, it's, it, that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's immaturity on a spiritual level. I'm a part of God's story, but God's telling his own story. What is God's story? Well, first of all, it's not Nathan. Um, <laughs> It is very much um, his story. Uh, the issue at stake is the love of God. The, the story that God is telling is divine love. This is why love has such a central element in the story of the scripture, in the self-revealed God that has given us the sacred writings that we call the Bible. That's why love is so central. That's why Jesus can sum up all of the Old Testament law and prophets as an act of Love toward God and love toward one another. Uh, love is the story of God. That's why he uses it not as a character attribute, but as a self-revealing identity. God is love. It's not that God does love, feels love, acts in a lovely way. It's that he is uh, love. The, the, the issue that's at stake here in this realm we live in, this carnal world, the issue that's at stake is this question, is God's love enough? We are created beings. We have autonomy. We choose our own way. We can rebel. We can sin. Is God's love enough? This is why <clears throat> the very first sacred book written down is not Genesis. Like that was written later. It's Job. Why does Job serve God? This is the fundamental question that's being answered, the revealing story of God. And so I want you to see that... The question becomes, is God's love enough? Or do I need to be bribed? Do I need to be manipulated? Uh, and so my life becomes part of the answer to that question. So stay with me. Um, God's telling his story. We are not God's story. We are a part of God's story. God's story is answering this question of whether or not divine love is enough. And our lives are a part of that story. This is why you see over and over in the scripture passages like God leads us for his name's sake. Proverbs, excuse me, Psalms 23. Uh, God forgives sin. Why? For his name's sake. Psalms 25. God leads us for his name's sake. Uh, that's Psalms 31. God delivers us from sin for his name's sake. Psalms 79. Uh, God deals with us out of his goodness for his name's sake. It's not about us being worthy. It's not about him, you know, having a New Year's resolution. This is who he is. 
and God is telling his story, and you and I are honored to be a part of that story. <clears throat> God lets us live for his name's sake, Psalms 143. Uh, God, what God's doing what he does as self-revelation, as God telling his story. My life is a part of that story, and I live as uh, someone seeking him, not because God's been good enough to me to create this kind of, you know, negotiated, manipulated state, but because I choose his way. I choose the beauty manifest by the ideals in the story of Jesus Christ. I choose to be a Christian because there's no ethical system even close to that shown by Jesus Christ. It changed everything. It turned the world upside down. My life <clears throat> is part of his story. So real quick, number one, we are a being in time. God's not done with you. It will feel like a journey. It will feel like a process. That's because it is. Uh, number two, I'm not God's story. I'm a part of God's story. My life, even its ups and downs, even its mistakes, even its temptations, all of those things are part of answering the question of God, is his love enough? Or do I have to be forced? Do I have to be threatened? Do I have to be beat down and manipulated? And that leads us uh, to number three. And I think this is really helpful to those of you who, uh, or at least it was helpful for, to me, um, if you have a very apostolic background um, and the the emphasis is very much placed on experience. And that's not wrong. We need experience. Um, but sometimes we uh, use that experience as a type of a theological crutch, as if that is enough. And it's important, but it's not the whole enchilada, shall we say. Here's number three. In the New Testament, the, the language of transformation that you read a lot, um, particularly in the writings of Paul, uh, where you are, you are transformed uh, and you see lived out in the, the book of Acts where disciples who were fearful, uh, now they're transformed. Um, the New Testament transformation language is very similar to Old Testament promise language. What do I mean by that? Uh, we're here, well, here's the thing. Yes, the disciples were transformed in their confidence after they received the experience of speaking in tongues as a sign of the Holy Spirit in their life. Yes, they were transformed, but the battle wasn't over. They still had to be brave. They still had to choose to worship when they were thrown in prison and beaten. They still had to choose to pray. They still had to. You see, that transformation, we speak it as though it's one and done. We explain it as though it's a, <clears throat> a light switch in your life, but that's not how they lived it. So don't let the language of transformation make you think that you're one and done. One moment, poof, you're perfect. That is not at all what they're trying to get at. They're speaking much more in the terms not of, uh, how shall I say this, not in the terms of <clears throat> you know, one and done, a light switch, but much more in the terms of divine calling and spiritual vision. That's what they have. The Lord has removed the barriers that kept us from his presence. That's the story of uh, Christ at Calvary. Those barriers are removed. And now we have access to his presence. And in his presence, we are challenged, uplifted, called, chosen. And we, having received this as promise, 
choose to manifest it in our life. We would have never had a chance to try before, but now we could, having been discouraged, quit. There were people in the New Testament who did. We could choose to be discouraged. There were disciples who got discouraged. Uh, I think you see my point. And so New Testament transformation, the language that is used there, is very similar to Old Testament promise. Yes, Abraham, I've given you a land, but I want you to go walk in it. Do you see? Does that help? I've given you a land, but I want you to walk the height and breadth of it. I've given you a promised land, children of Israel, but I want you to possess it. And so it is in our life. Um, If I'm transformed, why am I still tempted? Because I now have access to God. The doors are open. I need to walk through them. The promised land is there. I need to walk the height and the breadth of it. So uh, real quick, in in conclusion, uh, four things that I think you could take with you as uh, insight into how we become spiritually. Uh, The first of them is it is divinely empowered. That doesn't mean God walks the land. That means he leads you to the land and you walk the height and the breadth of it. Uh, The work of God in our lives makes everything possible from conversion to sanctification. Conversion is the beginning of your faith journey. Sanctification is when the Lord, having developed, matured, and tried you and purified you, he accepts you, as it were, covered by his righteousness. You are now made holy by God. You are sanctified by God. Um, and so uh, divinely empowered, uh, this becoming more like him as an act of love, not of fear, not of manipulation, not of being forced, but as an act of love, choosing his way, uh, it's divinely empowered. Secondly, uh, it's cultivated by community. The purpose of the church is the people who make you do better. <laughs> the person who gets on your nerves, they're supposed to be in the church. The brother or sister you don't like, don't leave church over them. I'm telling you, we are cultivated in community. It is part of our becoming. It is part of our spiritual growth. The first thing you need to do is realize you're not better than them. Anyway, moving along. The third thing, uh, this journey of faith and becoming is always intentional. It's intentional in your personality, your mind. It's also intentional uh, spiritually. Being a person of character, or let me break that down, perhaps more to the origins of it. Care. Actor, care actor. You act as though you care. Becoming a person who acts as though they care uh, is intentional. It is personal responsibility. It's the hard work of confession, repentance, submission. And lastly, uh, you will be tested by time. This is the fourth reality of the Christian journey. The first one is it's divinely empowered. You could have never started without the voice of the Lord speaking to you like, Abraham and you choosing faith. Number two, it's cultivated by community. Your trials are going to come through community. Your strength is going to come through uh, community. Number three, it's intentional. You won't fall upon it by accident. You're going to have to act as though you care to develop care actor. (laughs) And number four, uh, it's tested by time. Uh, Time is the great purifying oven in which all of us are placed. Um, Time will judge us all. Time will reveal all things. Um, God uses time in the same manner that a metallurgist purifies metal. 
Um, and so I want to read, in closing, I want to read a passage by a Christian writer, Francis Peabody. He wrote it in the early 20th century, and I thought it was a, a very beautiful passage. The Christian character is not a fragmentary collection of detached virtues or an occasional spasm of excellence or a passing vision of perfection. It is a normal, healthy, gradual growth, like that growth of nature on which the eye of Jesus was wont to dwell with peculiar joy, a growth not beyond the power of a plain, imperfect, hesitating life. If only it will be firmly rooted in the great decision which first seeks righteousness and then devotes that righteousness to love. First the blade teaches Jesus, then the ear. After that, the full corn in the ear. And the Apostle Paul, though he turns not to nature but to human life for his figures of speech, describes the Christian character in the same terms of growth. The perfecting of the saints is like the development of the body. We are, quote, henceforth no longer children, end quote, but we become a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and grow up into him in all things, which is the head, speaking of Christ, of course. So uh, here's the issue. If I've been transformed, why am I still tempted? Well, hopefully I've helped you with that question. Hopefully you are beginning to see it as a development. You're able to see transformation not simply as your needs, but as your testimony. God is not just telling your story. He's using you to tell his story. That means you need to repent when you've sinned. That means you need to get yourself organized when you've made a mess of your life. That means you need to try again. That means you need to get along with your brother and your sister. That means although last year was tough, you need to try this year. Your life becomes the testimony that God's love is enough. You don't have to be threatened. You don't have to be treated as a servant or a slave. You don't have to be beaten. You don't have to be hung over hell, although uh, there's plenty of us that are good at doing that to ourselves. Uh, that's not the point. God's telling His story, and His story, it's the most beautiful story in all of humanity's history. And that is this, God loves you enough to get involved in your life and ask you if His love is enough. And if it is, you will begin to change. You will begin to seek His way. And as you seek His way, you'll be introduced to His heart. And as His heart flows into your heart, you will find that it is much easier to let your life tell His story. All right, that's enough. Love you, God bless you. Have a great week. Lord, I pray you would be with each one. I pray you would lead us. I pray you would help us not grow weary in this journey of faith, not get down on ourselves because we've had setbacks here and there, not get frustrated because uh, we think spiritual transformation is supposed to be some type of a, uh, a personal a personal thing rather than a spiritual testimony. Lord, we need you. Help us to be resolute in our pursuit of you. Help us to be faithful in our calling. Help us to walk the height and the breadth of the land you have promised. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. 
for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.